Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Launch School Podcast. In today's episode, we have a very special guest. If you've ever asked a question in the Slack channels, or more like what I do, become very thankful when other people ask what you wanted to ask in the Slack channel, chances are you've seen our guest in the thread of replies. If you're a student here at Launch School, past or present, you've learned key concepts and practiced solving problems within the curriculum he has written. If there's a joke embedded in there, chances are very high that he wrote it. Who am I talking about? Pete Hansen, of course. Pete is incredibly knowledgeable about, I don't even know what to say here, programming, software engineering, technology things. <laughs> Just wait till you hear his answer for how many programming languages he's learned. It's wild. That said, there's so much more to Pete. He's also an incredibly great cat parent. He's kind and hilarious and down to earth. It was a joy to talk with him, and I can't wait for you to hear it. And so, here it is. All right, well, now I'm here with the one, the only, Pete Hansen. Thanks so much for taking the time for us today, Pete. Glad to be here. So, first I wanted to talk about the adorable cats that are in your profile picture, Coco and Cheddar. I don't know if everyone knows about the Gratuitous Pet Photos channel where we got introduced to them, but could you tell us about your cats, how they joined you, what they're like? Well, they, they joined me just two months ago. They're a pair of uh, bonded two-year-old cats. Cheddar, or Cheddar Cheese Ball, as I usually call them, <laughs> is a, a huge orange boy cat. He's uh, very friendly, very affectionate, somewhat vocal, and uh, he, he likes to cuddle with me at night in bed. <laughs> <laughs> That's sweet. Yeah. Uh, Coco, or Coco Puff, as I call her, is a, a little black uh, girl cat. She's two years old. Her and her brother came to me at the same time, and uh, she she tends to be a little shyer, at least initially. But once she get once she grew accustomed to me, she became very affectionate, and she spends most of the day by my side. She's right, she's right here by me right now. <laughs> so sweet. And where's where's Cheddar? Is he nearby too? He is probably sleeping on the couch in the living room. That's where he likes to spend the days. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, Coco likes to watch Cheddar, and whenever there's something new in the house, she 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 watches Cheddar and sees how he reacts. Mm. And if he's not hurt, then she'll go and follow suit. So you go, that's safe. I'll try that then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and on the other hand. Uh, Cheddar is like twice her size, but when they play together, he often lets her win. Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> it's actually kind of funny watching watching her attack him, and he's over on his back <laughs> fighting for his life, and she's on top of him. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, what? <laughs> oh, that's sweet. I also wanted to ask you about two other important cats in your life that were pudding and butterscotch. And, you know, anybody who spends uh, an amount of time in the logical curriculum, you'll see pudding and butterscotch in the code example. So I'm going to guess you put that there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so what were, what were pudding and butterscotch like and how did they come to you? Uh, uh, butterscotch came to me in uh, 2009. He was age three at the time. And uh, Pudding came to me in 2012 at about the age, two, age of two. Uh, 
they got along reasonably well, but they were never actually friends. And they would argue at times. In particular, it turned out that Pudding was the instigator. She would sit and ignore Butterscotch while he was walking around glaring at her. The moment he walked away, she would turn around and bite him on the butt. Oh, no. That is quite the instigator. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So she knew what she was doing. <laughs> yeah, she knew what he was doing. It was pretty funny when I realized what was happening. It wasn't but it wasn't butterscotch that was uh, attacking her. I think it was yeah him reacting to her, uh, instigating him. But yeah, butterscotch was an affectionate boy cat. Uh, he was demanding, playful, and he was friendly to everybody. He, the first thing he would do when. Somebody came in the door would be to roll over on his back in front of him and accept a <laughs> belly scratch. Shameless. The, the funny thing is he would accept belly scratches from everybody but me. What? That's a weird prize. If I tried to scratch his belly, I got the feeling hand trap going. Oh, no. <laughs> so his, his love language was don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> I love you the most, so you may not touch me there. <laughs> right. Yeah. Unfortunately, he passed away. Uh, about two years ago uh, mm. from cancer. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. P- Pudding was a little more timid and shy, at mm. least around people. Uh, but she was very gentle and affectionate. Once, once she accepted me, which did take uh, quite a long time, mm. I'd, I'd say it was probably two years before she would even sit on my lap. Wow. So, yeah, it, it, t- it took her a long time to really open up and... She, she really bloomed after Butterscotch passed. Mm. And she she became a lot friendlier, a lot more vocal, and, uh, and just generally affectionate. Unfortunately, uh, she passed away in the fire that destroyed my home in July. Yeah, I'm sorry about that, too. Hmm. Well, I'm glad... I'm glad Cocoa and Cheddar, well, Cocoa Puff and Cheddar Cheese right, are there. <laughs> Those are such good names. And even just seeing the pictures, I mean, just, it just suits them so well. Um, one last cat question, and that is, so I'm actually going to get a cat next week. Mm-hmm. And I've never had a cat before in my life, not even growing up, never. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's probably a million things you could tell me. But what are, maybe, what, what's some advice you have or just things for sure to do or don't do or? I, I would say just give your cats the space they want. Let, mm. you know, let them control the interactions. Mm. Uh, you, you can't really force yourself on the cat. If you if you try, it tends to drive them away. Let let them come to you. Let them decide when you are safe to come to. They will come to look to you for because you're going to feed them. You're going to pet them when you get a chance. Mm-hmm. You're going to be taking care of the box and everything else that goes with that. And they will eventually, I think, Get open up to you. Some cats are more adapt a lot faster. Butterscotch was sitting by my side the first night I had him. Whereas, whereas uh, Pudding took you know, two years before she would even sit on my lap. These two, Coco and Cheddar, they, they uh, warmed up right away. I was very fortunate with them. Mm, that's nice. That's good advice, especially mm-hmm. a group with dogs. And you, you do. I mean. I'm sure some dogs require a lot of warming up, but a lot of dogs don't. <laughs> yeah, so yeah do, do, dogs are usually don't. They, <laughs> they, they, yeah, they, they like everybody right away, unless they don't. 
Well, switching gears a little bit back to logical, I just, I needed my cat questions answered. This is about me. So <laughs> but, okay. but going back to, to programming, just kind of in a macro sense, we'll talk a little bit about your experience here in a bit, but what do you like about programming just in general? Mostly I like the challenge of trying to break a problem down to its logical components and then trying to translate that into code. Mm. I, I enjoy the debugging process. I, I enjoy the putting my code out there for other people to use and explaining why it's so cool. That's awesome. So you have an experience, well, here at Launch School, of course, but you you have a lot of experience writing code in a lot of different contexts, including I wrote an assembly at IBM? Yeah, I've written an, an assembly at, with IBM, Univac, and uh, PCs. Okay, what are, if you can, list the languages you've used, I guess in like a real I, way. I, I, yeah, I, could, I could never list all the languages I've learned over the years. I mean, mm-hmm. it, I, I started writing them down one, one day, if, uh, maybe seven or eight months ago, mm-hmm. and I gave up at around 70. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, that's a, valid, that's a valid place to stop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of it comes down to, two, you know, is this a language or is it not? So some of the languages I learned early on mm-hmm. were modifications to existing languages mm-hmm. that have it adapted uh, locally for our use, wherever we, whoever our was. Gotcha. Uh, for instance, I used a, a language we called Vargin, which was based on COBOL, mm. and another one called uh, Pilot, no Prism, which was based on a language called Pilot. Okay, so it just it was kind of like tweaked a little bit for your use case. Yeah, it's tweaked for the use case. So usually, usually simplify, but not always. Uh, Prism, for instance, was much, much more powerful than Pilot ever was. Which of those did you enjoy the most, and why did you enjoy them? I'd, I'd say I probably enjoyed Perl the, the most. And I think the main reason for that is I just used it for so many years. I, I think I learned it in 1994 or maybe 95. Mm. And I pretty much used it every day up until uh, I quit my last job in 2019, I think it was. Yeah, 2019. And I, I still have a lot of uh, Perl programs on my, on my Macs mm. that I use and have to update from time to time. I think what attracted me to it mostly was the fact that it relies heavily on regex. And I always like That's why regex. you're a regex wizard. That's why. The thing about Perl, though, is it's also uh, what a lot of people call a write-only language. What does that mean? That means that you can write a lot of good code. You can write a lot of code fast to do some really incredible stuff. Mm. But once you've written it, it's almost impossible to maintain it. Oh, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> right on <there>. got it. <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah it, it's very, very easy to write unmaintainable code in Perl. And I confess to having written my share of such code. <laughs> oh no, you're one of those. <laughs> yeah. Do you have, so with the, the main languages at Launch School, do you have a preference between Ruby and JavaScript? Not really. I, th- I think they both serve a purpose. Uh, back a few years ago, I probably would have said I'd much preferred Ruby because it's easy to learn and easy to program in. 
But then I really learned JavaScript, and I realized, wow, this is not so bad after all. <laughs> yeah, that's how I felt. Uh, yeah, I've been, I've been using JavaScript on and off for you know, 20 years or so, and I just never really knew the language. And now that I do, I appreciate it a lot more. That's good. So thinking about, you said you learned Perl back in like 94 or so. So you've, mm-hmm. so you've been programming for, for a while. How do you think the world of programming has changed from, let's say, at that point to now? Aside, I guess, aside from new languages, but mm-hmm. new frameworks. But what else do you think has changed? Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go all the way back to 1974 when I first got involved with computers. Right. And uh, I'd say back then, learning the program was read a book, write code, submit it to the computer room, and run it. Let's see what happens. <laughs> you didn't have to worry about functional programming. You didn't have to worry about object-oriented programming. You just wrote everything out as a procedural program, top-down, whatever you wanted to call it. And you didn't have a lot of tools to work with. And, you know, things like uh, RPM and NPM and uh, Bundler and Gems and, and all that type of stuff. We, we didn't have any of that back then. So, so learning the program was easy. Learn, learning a new language was easy because it's just adapting, you know, adapting to the syntax. You, again, you don't have to worry about tools or anything else. And that's part of the reason why I was able to learn so many languages over the years. Mm. Now, nowadays, it's almost impossible to get by with just learning the language. You have to learn all the tools that go with it. You have to uh, learn concepts like functional programming and object-oriented programming. It just takes a lot more time and effort to to learn any language reasonably well these days. Mm. Well, that makes a lot of sense. So then having known far over 70 languages and your experience with programming for so long, what attracted you to come to launch school? Mostly mostly it's the fact that I was entirely self-taught in programming. And I knew that there were huge gaps in my knowledge and skill set, and I wanted to fill those gaps uh, because at that point in time, I was I was a little tired of doing the system administration stuff I had been doing for many years, and I wa- was looking to do something new. And I had always wanted to be a full time programmer. I never had had the opportunity. It was always something I did on the side in addition to my normal duties. So I, I was looking around for a more formal learning approach. I tried a couple of MOOCs and a couple of other courses and realized that they weren't at the depth I needed to really learn things. And that's where I kind of kind of stumbled upon Launch School, which at the time was known as Tea Leaf Academy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but by the time I actually signed up, it was called Launch School. And, uh, yeah, that, that's what led, led me here. Uh, I... I think I told Chris this when he interviewed me for the uh, when I first came in, and he he made it clear that we're not in, that we're not focused here on teaching all these different things that I was looking for, but the program still sounded interesting to me, so I I kind of stuck with it and found that I enjoyed do, uh, going through it and learning uh, Ruby. It was my first real exposure to Ruby. I I had seen a little bit of Ruby before, but not much. And uh, learning something to the depth that was required was completely new to me. 
Yeah, I, I knew all about things like uh, call by reference and call by value and all that type of stuff. I knew about scopes and everything, but I had never formalized it. I had never put it, put it into English, and that's what, what I uh, really got out of uh, my first months here at Large School was that. Was that. Yeah, that, that level of precision. Don't find it really anywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you don't. <laughs> What was kind of, as you came back and so you started being a student in the logical realm, what's something that seemed to come, I guess, easy for you? Well, one, one, one point I should make is that I, I didn't, wasn't coming back to being a student. I had been a student for uh, probably four or five years before coming into law school. Okay. Just by, just by uh, doing things online, mm-hmm. MOOCs and, th- and things of that nature. A, a, a lot of it had nothing to do with programming. Uh, I, I took a lot of math courses and a lot of science courses. And so I, I had been learning for quite a while by then and was really getting up to speed on things. My mind was uh, coming out of the funk. It had been for years. And uh, you know, I, I was just learning to learn again, mm. which as a system administrator, I was forced to learn stuff all the time. But it, it took a while for me uh, to absorb anything oh, at that point. I was getting cut, you know, getting older. And when you're getting older, it's a little harder to learn sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I just don't have, I don't have the, fo- the same focus I used to have mm-hmm. when I would dive into uh, learning a language and come out of it eight hours later, knowing enough to write a program. <laughs> <laughs> because of the like precision and the specificity, did you find that your previous experience did it ever get in your way or was it normally just like, no, this is helpful that I already know all these things. I don't, yeah, I don't think it ever got in my way. Uh, I had to relearn a few things now, now again, although I couldn't tell, I probably had to relearn the whole pass by reference, pass by value type deal. Mm. Uh, and I got that, got that opportunity when Chris asked me to write that series of three articles that everybody has to read <laughs> in, in the Ruby track. Yes. They're very helpful to us now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One of these things I want to rewrite that with, with knowing what I know now and, mm. and and being able to talk about these things, I'd probably re- rewrite that significantly. I still remember reading them and I, at different points in the rest of the curriculum and the Ruby track, I'd be like, oh, I get it now. Oh, now I get it. Oh no no now now I get it. It just especially what we start learning JavaScript and then you're like oh no no now now I get it. <laughs> it keeps happening though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I always knew this stuff and intuitively it seems. You know, mm. uh, many many years ago I wrote a Fortran program that had an odd bug in it, and it turned out to be a pass by reference thing. Mm. The version of Fortran I was using passed everything by reference, including numbers and strings and things like that. And I was passing in a constant of one that was supposed to be one for the life of the program. But inside the, the function, I was setting it to two for some reason. I know. And that was setting it throughout the rest of the entire program. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it's, such a, it's such a basic concept that can have crazy ramifications. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, that happened probably back in 1982, maybe, or somewhere in that, that area. And, 
ever since then, I've had this intuitive grasp of what's going on mm-hmm. and never questioned it. Right, just so is. I, yeah, yeah, it just is. Mm. And then coming here to law school, I learned I had to learn how to talk about it. And that was something entirely different. Yeah. What, what were the interviews like for you? The, the uh, coding interviews? You yeah, mean, like, like the assessment interviews. Yeah. They were quite different uh, six years ago when I was doing oh, all this, there. I think. What were they like then? I remember the, the, let's see, there was one coding interview, which was for RB109, I think. And that was with Chris. And the question was extremely simple. <laughs> it was, ba- you know, basically, I don't remember the exact problem it was, but it, it was basically re- read a value from the terminal, do something with it, and spit it out. Oh, all right. None of this uh, multiply nested looping and all that that we do now. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And then I got kind of tripped up on the LS tool. Uh, I guess we just called it 201 at the time, uh, the 201 interview, which we no longer do. But we, basically, we had to do do this one program as a project for 201. And then we got uh, quizzed about the project in the interview section. And I, I just kind of uh, panicked over the whole thing. I, I was unable to think of anything. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I ended up getting what is what we would now call a conditional pass. Oh. <laughs> oh. And uh, I, as I later managed, I was later asked to rewrite to a one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the tables have turned. Well, yeah, the tables have turned. So now, now, now I know my HTML and CSS a lot better than I did back then. <laughs> yeah. Rewrote the whole course. Oh, man. Oh, I should CSS. So we talked about this with, with Sergio and his interview. So I'm curious about you two. Do you ever find, did you, or do you ever find Chris scary? He was a little bit, uh, there's something about the way he says, Hey, let's chat. Dude, it's terrifying. <laughs> Just puts the fear of God. Into me. <laughs> <laughs> like give me some context. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what it is about the way he he says that, but it just yeah, it just kind of panicked me all the time. I've I, I learned to adjust for it now. You know, I, I know what he's like. Yeah, it's. I think it's just. I think it's just the mystery that is Chris. So he's just like, let's chat, and you just have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, there's no clue there as to what he's uh, wanting to chat about, and if, if you're the type who uh, automatically thinks the worst possible thing. <laughs> it, it, it can really panic me. <laughs> it can. Did you, well, first I'm curious, how did you become a TA? Or how'd you go from student I, to TA? Yeah, I became a TA here because I, I've had a habit of, uh, of always being helpful with other people. It's how I ended up with my last job before I became a launch school, and then I I was I was a natural customer of the company. Oh, and I was helping other customer other customers online by answering their questions. (laughs) And I spent most of the time I was with them, which was close to thirty years. Wow, uh, being very customer centric. You know, I was a system administrator for most of that time, but I was there. I was always up front, uh, 
talking with the customers, taking their feedback, uh, explaining what was going on when there was a problem and, and things, of that, things like that. And then when I came to launch school, I immediately started helping out in the forums. <laughs> and Chris noticed, and some of, I think some of the other TAs noticed. And next thing I know, I was still in the OO class at the time. Mm. Chris was asking me, hey, you want to be a TA? <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> and so the next thing I knew, I was a TA. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think I had to finish the object oriented course first, and then once I had done that, he, he made he brought me on as a TA. I still I still kind of took it very slowly over the first couple of years. I mostly did uh, code reviews, and I did a lot of writing in the curriculum. Uh, you'll see my writing all over the place in there. I love finding little Pete-isms throughout. <laughs> yeah. Like, he wrote this. Pete definitely wrote this. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm always amused that people realize, you know, this had to be Pete. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's so good. I love it. Yeah, I, I, I just get these weird things where I need to say something funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. It just brings, like, it brings, well, your personality. But it's also just like, oh, that's funny as I'm learning this concept. <laughs> yeah. Did you, I guess before Chris asked that, had you had any aspirations or any thoughts to work for Launch School? Or you were just like, no, you just learn? No, uh, yeah, yeah, I wasn't thinking about it. I didn't realize that the students could actually be TAs. And, you know, I, I thought uh, the TAs we had here were all full-time people that uh, had already graduated. And I, th I think that was the case for most of them. Hmm. Yeah, I think... To me, just what I know about you makes perfect sense. Like I always know that when people ask questions in Slack, like you always answer them and it's a good answer and it's an in-depth answer and it's a, cause you know, there's a way to, you just, you know, so much and there's a way to share so much in a very inaccessible way, but the way you share mm -hmm. the stuff that you know is so accessible and clear. I just, I think you answer questions super well. Yeah. I'm not sure where that comes from. It just, Somewhere along the line, I developed that ability to explain things. Well, Launch School is better off because of it. At least in writing. I'm much better writing answers down than I am in talking about it. <laughs> well, I think you're doing great <laughs> right now. So once you became a TA, were you, I guess, what were your thoughts? I'm I'm a future planner, so I'm just like, what were you thinking? Like, Were you saying, like, I'm going to stay here? Were you just thinking, like, oh, we'll just see what happens? It was mostly just, uh, we'll see what happens here. I wasn't thinking about doing it full time. I was still, I was still working for my previous employer, and uh, I was at that at that point. I wasn't. Yeah, I, I was still happy enough there. I was just looking to change my career. I wasn't really thinking about TA mm. as a possible career. But once I started doing it, the more the more I did it, the more I enjoyed it. That's awesome. And, uh, so, so I'm still here six years later. <laughs> well, we're glad for it. If you could say like your two favorite parts of being a TA, what what would you say those two things are? Or just a few? As it be two, but you know, I, th I think the big the big thing is just knowing that I'm helping other people learn mm. and, and, re and reach reach their goals or dreams or or, or however they think about getting for, through law school and finding a job. The other thing I, I, I really enjoy is the writing part, when I get a chance to write, mm. which is not too much lately. But 
So last question would be is what do you think makes a successful core launch school student? Yeah, I would say that the ability, the ability to not rush somebody, uh, not rush, rush yourself, you know, take the time, le- learn the material, uh, you know, re- really focus on knowing the material, on explaining the material, both in writing and verbally. Mm. I, th- I think that that's the chief thing that's going to get you through, helping you get through launch school. I've seen students that have no prior computer experience come through. If they're able to do that, they're able to make it all the way through core and, pro- and probably into capstone as well. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've seen people that come in with years of experience in the computer field, but they can't explain things. They can't write things down. And they, they end up dropping out after a couple of courses. Mm. Because it's just not meeting their what they perceive as their needs. Mm. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. That I would say, just the ability to have fun with it. Mm. Programming is hard, but it's also fun and rewarding. And if you can't have fun with it while you're here, you're not going to have fun with it in your career. That's very true. Yeah, if, if being stuck on problems is only suffering, <laughs> then your job will be only suffering. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Every, everything we do here is what the people are going to see in their careers. And if they're not enjoying it here, they're certainly not going to enjoy it somewhere else. Mm. I think that's one of a million things about launch school, but it's a lot of preparatory programs aren't simulating the real thing, but launch school is simulating the real thing. From interviews to the content. We're definitely trying to do that. Yeah, I think it's well, I think it's working <laughs> from what I've seen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can you tell me about just somebody who's made an impact on you? I'm asking because you've made an impact on a lot of other people, for the record. And so, yeah, just want to know what th- that kind of person would be for you. Well, there are actually several people, including some teachers and everything. But I think the one who had the biggest impact on my career was a gentleman by the name of John Ehrenreich at my first uh, real job after high school. He, he was the system administrator for the uh, mainframe computers that we were working on. He, he was sharp. He wasn't exactly very friendly and didn't talk much. But if you, if you went to him for help and you asked questions, good questions, he would explain very patiently explain what was going on mm. and what you were doing wrong or what you were doing right. And he, he helped me debug several issues. And uh, he, he kind of inspired me to have an interest in system administration, which is how I eventually ended up in the field. And then, uh, and, and it also helped inspire me to uh, be willing to, you know, uh, talk about things with other people when they had questions. Mm, that's awesome. It's funny how I, I still remember his name name all these years later when I remember so few names <laughs> for, from that time. It's not, not, not even an easy to remember name. It's but, not. You know, he, he stuck in my memory. Mm, that's awesome. Well, that's all the questions I have, Pete, and I really appreciate your time, and thanks for making Lodge School an awesome place by being here. Thank you, Callie. It was, it was fun talking to you <laughs> and fun talking to everybody else out there in podcast land. <laughs> Bye, podcast land. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs>
Isn't Pete great? I hope you enjoyed today's episode. As we wrap up this year, keep your eye out for the final episode of season three, where you'll get to hear from Chris, Mandy, and me. Thank you for being a part of this community and for tuning in. If you have an idea for an interview, a Bytes episode, or anything podcast-related, reach out to us at hello at launchschool.com, subject line podcast. That's it for today's episode. Hope you have a great day and keep at it. That problem that seems impossible to solve right now will become clear much sooner than you think.